0: You're listening to the Firearm Trainers Podcast, Season 4, Episode 10, published on November eighth, twenty 2022. In this episode, we're talking to Mike Lesman from DSM about his products and how they might just be able to save somebody's life. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. This episode also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Visit the website, ftaprotect.com, learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy and promo code FTP10 at checkout. And remember, if you're a certified instructor, you qualify for their coverage. This episode is also brought to you by KSG Holsters. They're professional-grade Kydex handcrafted here in the United States of America. They're available for a large variety of firearms. They're purpose-built one by one for comfort and concealability. All KSG Holsters are Enigma-compatible. There are a lot of customization options so you can order the holster that fits your needs exactly remember ksg holsters We bring this podcast sport the industry the second amendment and most importantly every farm instructor america that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable today we're joined by mike lesman from dsm welcome mike and thanks for spending time with our listeners
1: how you doing rob yeah thanks for having me
0: we're doing good and it's uh we're getting into the fall and you definitely feel that in the weather Well, for those people that don't know who Mike Lesman is and DSM, can you give our listeners a little bit of your background on what DSM does?
1: Um, Yeah, DSM, I started this company about 12 years ago. Um, I was a uh, a Reno police officer uh, for 22 years, uh, was a sergeant there, was uh, one of the teams that I was running was a SWAT team. And uh, while we were giving um instruction on active shooter type of response uh, one of our detectives basically said hey you know and he was i always called him the bearded weirdo squad basically big goatee wraparound sunglasses shaved head and uh, he goes if i'm rolling around in a school or a mall with a gun during an active shooter there's a good chance i'm going to be engaged by other law enforcement agencies and and, and he was right and uh, he goes you know basically what would you suggest? How would I, you know, identify myself? And at the time I just said, Hey, hold up your badge and keep yelling police. And I said, I know it's not a good answer. I'll look for a good answer. And, um, I went through all the catalogs, went to a couple of cop shows and stuff, looking at uh, stuff. And it was really nothing concealable that, um, that would identify that you could deploy and identify you both front and back. And, and uh, the only thing that I'd seen, there was a, a company that made a jacket and a vest that had, like, pull-down tabs on it. But, of course, you know, if it's, you know, summertime, anywhere in the U.S., basically, you know, from May to, uh, to September, you're not going to wear, a, a, you know, a vest or a jacket. Uh, and you're not going to wear the same thing every day because, you know, basically it's kind of like a, um, I, don't, I hate to say shoot-me-first clothing, but it's kind of like there's a the cop clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, so I was... I was actually down in Florida on vacation and uh laying on a beach and I see this this plane go by with this uh little uh like a Suntan Lotion ad behind it, you know, mm-hmm. on a little banner. And I was like, That's it, a banner. And uh, mm-hmm. uh and then just started putting this thing together and, and uh making it so that it's a, a deconfliction device and and um uh, uh it's, it's, it's basically, uh, from there, it's, it's pretty much, uh, uh, how I started. It took me about a year to figure it out. And we looked at all of the different things that could go wrong in a gunfight, all of the, the Murphys that could come in. And so we addressed it as a by cops for cops, uh, uh cause originally it was, it was just a law enforcement thing, a law enforcement idea. Um, And we we looked at it from the cops perspective on, okay you know, this thing has to be uh, support hand driven. It has to be be able to uh, deploy on whether you're wearing a a pair of fishing shorts or or tuxedo Uh, has to be concealable. I mean, there were so many things that we looked at, um, you know, to kind of uh, um, kind of hit the mark and um we looked at okay what are the best colors you know as far as to be seen the brightest colors. so we looked at ANSI certification colors uh that we looked at um you know reflective letters because uh, i think it was 68 percent of blue on blue shootings occur in a diminished environment and so we we added all of these things to it uh well what happens if you um uh, you know, fumble a banner during deployment, or what if there's a, a 15 mile an hour wind when you deploy it if you're in an outdoor environment? So we anchored the the, uh, the banner to the case with a 1/8 one, eight, one inch bungee. Um, so there's all these kind of things that we thought about, and it and it it still develops. Um, in 2013, 2013, 2014. Uh I had a um, former NYPD officer call me, who is now the head of uh, uh Connecticut Post. Uh he was a range master, and he goes, hey, if you put a black background uh, behind the, the reflective letters, he says you would be able to see it further. And we went back and forth and talked about not losing the amount of bright, you know, um vivid yellow uh on the banner or vivid orange on the banner. Um and so, uh, but he basically, one of, one of his points was, hey, when you got out to about 35 yards, you started losing the silver and the yellow, something on the, you know, and I don't know the scientific, uh, um, you know, specifications of it, but the, the colors start to blend together um, on a spectrum. And so what I did was while I was talking to him on the phone, I got a Sharpie out, grabbed one of the banners and went ahead and started doing an outline around the banner or, or around the, uh, the letters on the banner. And sure enough, just that dark outline basically allowed us to go out to 70 yards and still see the writing where we're without that just dark outline. So we, we contacted our manufacturers and basically said, hey, we need to make a new die that actually puts a dark line uh, around the letter, and um, you know they they screamed and and stomped their feet for a little bit. But you know, um, as of 2014, we added that dark line and uh, makes it more visible. So we're we're constantly looking for improvements uh, on mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, and then different cases. Uh, we started off with one case, just a bell pouch, which was our standard model, and uh, now we offer, I believe, five different cases.
0: Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. How you began and what you're doing uh, today. Um, we talked about your your uh, your company's name is called DSM. Can you tell us what DSM stands for? I think oh. that's that's kind of a unique yeah. um, uh, acronym.
1: What, what's funny is uh, I was uh, I was a Marine before I was a I was a cop, and so things have to be fairly simple. Um, so DSM is uh, just stands for "Don't Shoot Me." Uh, and it's, you know, we thought that, wow, that, you know, it's, it's kind of catchy and, and it will immediately, uh, tell you what the product does.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And you've got, them. you got them for police, you know, you were, you know, part of the SWAT team there and you were saying you, you came up to them and what is the use case, you know, when, 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 did, when have you, uh, when do you see these, uh, banners being used, um, for people to pull them out?
1: Uh, You know, I mean, they're carried uh, completely concealed, but uh, when you get into situations where uh, guns are being drawn, whether it be, uh, you know, critical incident as an active shooter or uh, even absolutely an arrest by a plainclothes police unit, um, deploying the banner will uh, stop any confliction uh, that you may have with uniformed officers arriving in the area or off-duty officers or armed citizens. I mean, there's so many, uh, uh, you know, deconfliction. And basically, it's, you know, something that weighs between three and five ounces. And, and uh, as we spoke earlier, doesn't have any really negative connotations. Um, I had a, uh, um, a law enforcement uh, firearms instructor from a federal agency. And he, uh, he came to me at SHOT Show a few years ago. And he said, Mike, he says, You know i i I gotta make a confession he goes i didn't um i didn't believe in your banner he goes i couldn't get past the uh the beauty queen stigma of it and he says so i didn't recommend it he says well i run this course and it's a a course of fire uh, that um, the agents have to go around vehicles um, and uh, learn to fight around vehicles and uh, he says as uh, we lose light and it gets into the evening hours he goes my agents lose track of one another and we always have blue on blue events during this training he says i had a 100 of these in my office he goes well i'm gonna i'm gonna deploy them and see what happens and he says my blue on blues went to zero he said they do exactly what you said they would do um so it's one of those things that that uh again because it's it's um support hand driven and you're uh, you're trying to hook this over the torso of your body because we're a police trained to shoot or actually, um, you know, any armed citizen. Uh, we're trained to shoot, you know, center mass. So why mm-hmm. not? A, a, um, I call it a speed bump in the OODA loop. Uh, it's just when you get to that decision making uh, a portion of the OODA loop and you come up to, uh, uh, to put a shot on target, it's going to make you, you know, just kind of just a small mini speed bump in that decision-making process, which of course we know resets the whole OODA loop. And so you're, you're back to, um, uh, the observation, you know, period and, and you're, you've stalled on that decision. And so anyway, um, uh, that's the whole reason why we, uh, put that together. And of course, when you're putting it on from the support side, going diagonally across the body, it will look like in this America banner. Um, but, you know, we, we call it, uh, and I don't know if, uh, uh if your podcast, you could always speak it out. Uh, it's the sash that'll save your ass, uh, for 20 minutes of, of wearing, you know, something that looks like a Miss America banner. Um, you won't get engaged or, or hopefully you won't get engaged by friendly fire.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, how about, how about the opposite? What about the unfriendly fire? Have you seen any instances to where, you know, the, the bad guys target you because they see you've got a sash on? You know, it says police. Well, a-
1: absolutely. Um, One of the things uh, that's a question that's come up during an active shooter type of uh, training course is like, "Hey, uh, won't this attract the bad guys' attention?" And yeah, absolutely, it will. It, it'll draw his attention to you versus killing uh, unarmed citizens, um, where you have at least the ability to fight back and use cover and and do all the training, employ the training that you can. Um, to, uh, to survive the situation. So, so yeah, it is, it is a bright beacon. Um, uh, during active shooter events, that's a pre-deployment. Um, uh, so we talk about two different deployments of the banner, pre-deployment, post-deployment. Pre-deployment is I'm hearing gunshots in the other room. I throw the banner on as I uh, get into the other room so that as I enter if someone sees the gun in my hand, if you're not going in a, in a covered soul position, um, that you're not entering an environment as another unknown with a weapon. Um, so that would be a pre-deployment. That would be something where you would possibly draw, uh, you know, the attention of the bad guy because of this bright colored sash. But again, uh, you're you're drawing his attention to you and off of people that he's indiscriminately killing. hmm. Majority of instances generally happen post-deployment. And so there's a critical incident, a threat in your environment, you have to take care of the threat, move to cover, do a tactical reload, then deploy your identifier. You know, we always say, you know, you know, trying to do two things at once, you might not do both of them real well. Um, so address your threat, move to cover, uh, then if you need to do a tactical reload, then if uh you know think about um identifying yourself, throwing the banner on so that as other people that are there um start making phone calls 911 everybody's got a cell phone nowadays if you get into a shooting in a in a public area there's going to be multiple calls going out so at least mm-hmm. they can identify you as hey there's a guy wearing this bright yellow or bright orange uh, sash that says police um and so uh, they're giving your description on the uh you know to to uh, the 911 uh, dispatcher and um and you're not being engaged. Hopefully, you're not being engaged by by any um, any other bad guys in the area. But again, that all comes back to you know checking your six and the whole nine yards when it comes to that. I always think of that, um, uh, and I think we touched on it a little bit. The CC's pizza uh, thing in Las Vegas, yep. where the actor had shot the two policemen while they were eating, and then uh, him and his wife went over to uh, uh, to Walmart mm-hmm. and. CCW uh, holder there that spotted this bad guy basically was putting a bead on him and, uh, didn't check his six. And the wife actually killed, uh, that good Samaritan.
0: Um, mm-hmm. yep. That's one, one of those situations where, um, check your sex is a valuable skill. Well, Mike, tell me this, is it, is this product just for police?
1: No, we uh um we branched out. You know, when I first came out with it, we um we offered it just for police, and then we started. uh, We thought that executive protection teams uh, would use this, and so we made a security model. Uh, And originally, that's we had two models: the police and security, and um, uh, the security model. uh, We started outfitting all of the the Fortune 500 companies, the security teams for them. And uh, if you would have told me. 12 years ago that, uh, churches and schools would be one of them, My, um, uh, my number one buyers or, or, uh, consumers in that security genre. Um, I would have said you were drinking bath water, but they are, they're, they're about 25% of our, uh, total sales generally is churches and schools. And it's just growing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I could see, you know, from a police perspective you know if you're working undercover or you know or you're in plain clothes you know off duty and you're in a in a mall and shooting happens that you could very easily be mistaken for it but at the same time when you go into um, businesses you go into schools um, churches um, you're you're in plain clothes all the time so if you are if you're forced to go along and actively engage an active shooter The responding officers, which are probably going to be coming, you know, fast and furious, you know, you know, a lot of places under five minutes, you want to make sure there's no confusion at all about what's going on and what's happening. Because if if there's somebody at the front door and waving them in, but, you know, they see the guy, but sees that guy's got a gun on. That's going to make them pause. Where at the same time they could be the guy that's direct them into where, where they need to go. Or if you're the guy that's you know the only one that can be seen from the door, and you you're holding somebody down, or you're shooting at somebody. You don't you want to make sure that you're not you're going to get shot by somebody, you know, a responding officer with a rifle that's outside that decides to you know stop the shooting because he's got a clear shot into the um, in, into the church through the doors, you know, something like that.
1: Um, one of the um, points that you bring up um, was a success story actually in the field in Las Vegas. Uh, I had a Las Vegas Metro sergeant contact me and said, hey, um, I got dispatched to basically grab a team and go over to New, New York, New York Casino um, because there were shots being fired there. End up in the in the long run, it was just echoes off of the building coming from the Mandalay Bay shooting mm-hmm. uh, but he headed that direction. And um, he says, as him and his team rounded the corner, here's three guys with handguns. Um, but they immediately recognized the safety banner that they had deployed because they had pulled their handguns out because they were, you know, looking for an active shooter in the area. And um, they immediately were able to link up uh, because he knew that these guys were their security guards because they're playing close security guys were carrying out banners. Um, where if they weren't, it could have basically caused a whole, you know, everything, for, uh, you know, from a tragic event to, uh, an unnecessary delay of, uh, of information here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's, uh, that, that's a real life event there that definitely underscores the need to quickly identify, you know, who you're walking up to and to avoid the delays, to avoid, um, un, you know, you know, a blue on blue event basically but you know it was obviously a blue on top of a security event and you know avoiding those kind of situations because everybody's hyped up to begin with because it's an active shooter situation they're saying okay go out and see if there's somebody over there at new york new york and when you're hearing all the sirens when you're hearing everything's going um that's that's a tough thing to do because you're trying to be, do the right thing, but at the same time, you know, time is of the essence. And if you saw three guys walking around with guns and you're looking for somebody with a gun, that fits the scenario, right? Unless, of course, they're security.
1: Exactly. Um, I can't tell you uh, how many times I've heard uh, um, a police agency say, yeah, if we come into the building and you got a gun in your hand, you're getting shot. Um and so, you know, when I was a police supervisor, one of the things I used to always tell my guys, is, hey, it's, um, hey, uh, it's not that they have a gun. It's what they're doing with the gun, mm-hmm. um, what their intentions are. Um, you know, it's one of those things that, and, and we stress it even, even with the banner, is, you know, the banner doesn't make you Superman. It's not bulletproof or anything like that. Um, when uniforms get on the scene, uniforms are king. Um, I don't care if you're a captain in plain clothes, if, uh, you know, a, a rookie officer gets on scene and, and, you know, he's wearing a uniform, he's King until everything gets settled and we know who, you know, who all the players are. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's, uh, it's one of the things, the other thing that you mentioned, uh, when you talked about, um, churches, um, and, uh, same thing with commercial, uh, addresses that, that use our, that use our product we always tell them to contact your local dispatch center and put something called premise history. Uh, And premise history could be anything from, hey, there's a mean dog in the yard to there's a deep swimming pool in the backyard. Um, Well, premise history for uh, organizations using the DSM would be um, armed security on scene identified by high-vis yellow sash. Um, Just so... Anytime that address, so, you know, 123 Main Street, anytime that address gets plugged into a response where police are heading to that address where there are people armed that uh, that have the DSM system, their computer, the MDT, will pop up and that'll be premise history. It'll come up every time, whether they're going for a lost child or an active shooter. Um, and so it's one of those things that we recommend and and. uh and it was always a big thing as a SWAT supervisor was to, well, even patrol supervisor, was to uh, give the officers uh, information so that when they return to that address or ever dispatch there, um, that that little bit of critical information, the so difference between a SWAT guy, you know, going down to the bottom of a pool with, you know, wearing 70 pounds of gear or uh, um, or, you know, we're alarms going off and uh, the officers want to jump the fence to go to the back of the building, but their MDT says, Hey, there were supposed to be two mean dogs on scene. Um, so mm-hmm. it can save, a of, save a lot of headaches and avoid a tragedy.
0: Yep. Most definitely. That's um premise history. That's a, that's a good one. Very good. Good uh, piece of advice there. Well, Hey Mike, I know we've been talking a lot about church security, talking about, um, you know, security and police. What do you have for the armed citizen since, you know, a lot of the instructors that are out there are teaching, um, you know, civilians on, you know, self-defense, on concealed carry, those types of things. What kind of product do you have to help them out?
1: Uh, We just started a a new company. About two years ago, uh, a um, a gun radio talk personality reached out to me and said, hey, you do this great job for um, law enforcement. You do this great job for security, but what about the average CCW carrier?" And it was in the back of my head. And originally, like I said, a pretty controversial piece of gear. A lot of people train for the uh, the armed encounter, you know, basically repelling the uh, the bad guy. Um, but they don't train or don't think about, you know, um, what happens when the police come on scene. And that's the second part of the equation that you have to survive. Um and so uh, I had it in the back of my mind. It, it, was, it was just sitting there kind of getting mulled over. And I, I told this guy, I have an idea, and I'll start putting it together. And this was right before COVID uh, hit. And um, then all of a sudden, uh, we had spoke about the event in uh, Arvada, Colorado, mm-hmm. um, where, where uh, a good guy who put down a bad guy who had killed a cop. Gets gets smoked by the cops when they arrive on scene. Now, apparently, the Good Samaritan was clearing the bad guy's rifle. And of course, now you have a matching description of, you know, white guy with a rifle uh, Mm -hmm. as a police on scene. Um, But it really kind of um, uh, accelerated my thought process because the one part, uh, the one missing part of the puzzle in this new system, which we call acid, which is uh, armed citizen critical incident ID. So it's acid spelled with two C's and two I's. Um, the the portion that I was missing was how was it going to fold up in your pocket? You know, we we knew we wanted a placard on the front and a placard on the back with two straps that have reflective letters and reflective edging. But I wasn't sure on how that was going to fit, and that event basically caused me to to uh, you know, sit down and get serious and, and put it together. And so we, uh, we put it into what looks like, it's, it's about the size of your smartphone. Um, it looks like a Western wallet or a large checkbook. Um, and again, uh, is uh, support side deployed. So, you know, you can put it in any of your pockets on your support side and it uh, is deployed with one hand and it's, uh, it, it's a pretty simple system. And we just started this company, Um, it's uh, online at uh, armedcitizenid.com, it's called ACID Systems, it's a different company than DSM, Uh, it's a separate company but it is um, our venture into uh, identifying the armed citizen in a a critical incident so they're not mistakenly engaged by by a police officer or another armed citizen. one of the things too that, uh, because we don't, we have a vetting system, uh, just like the police and the security ones are vetted. Uh, this system is also vetted. Um, we require that a copy of your uh, concealed weapons uh, permit uh, be uploaded uh, when you uh, purchase. Well, it won't let you go any further with the purchase if you don't do that. The other thing we do, except for um, constitutional carry states, which are now 25 of them. Uh, we do, uh, allow two other options of, uh, of being vetted if you don't have a, uh, a concealed weapons permit. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, the, um, uh, you know, legally armed citizens, uh, and constitutionally right armed citizens are, uh, properly identifiable.
0: hmm Yeah. And with, uh, you know, as I've said on the podcast before, uh, Going along and be able to exercise your rights with a permitless uh, constitutional carry is great. Um, one of the uh, you know potential side effects for it, we're going to have a lot more people carrying guns, which they'll be able to defend themselves. But I think being able to go along and making sure you're identified as a good guy is, um, is, is important for it because – People make mistakes. Um, you know, it doesn't have to have it, you know, any ill intents. But if you're really trying to go along and stop something, you're going to be looking for somebody that looks like they're causing problems. And if they've got a gun and they're sneaking around, you know, in front of you, you're going to think that that's the person you're looking for, not the, not another person who's uh, potentially you know, doing the same thing you're doing. So it's uh, important having the I've got it pulled up on the website website right now, ha- having something that says, Hey, I'm an armed citizen. And it also has a little, um, uh, pocket to put your ID in also your, uh, your license, which I think is a, is a nice handy fe- uh, feature to it. Also,
1: it yeah, has a little window that we put underneath where it says armed citizen in uh, um, in reflective letters, uh, the window we suggest a, just a copy of your, of your permit. If, uh, uh, if you're, uh, if you have a permit, uh, put a copy in there not original leave next to your driver's license because you know you never know if you're going to forget this thing at home and all of a sudden you get stopped on a traffic stop and you know certain states have different requirements of notifying mm-hmm. uh, and so it's always nice to have that right next to your license i mean you know even though i'm a retired police officer and i can carry in all 50 with uh you know 50 states with leosa i still have my concealed uh carry permit from uh, from the states of Nevada um, So it's it's one of those things. that's always uh, you know just a a nice thing to have. You know the the uh, the concealed carry uh, uh, permit from Nevada. The only thing it helps me out with is is uh, Nevada. We have to pay a twenty five dollar fee on a next a next check uh, and a background check. And so it saves me the twenty five dollars every time I purchase a firearm. Um, So it's so I basically just carry it because of that. The other thing is it has a five year. expiration period where, um, uh, where my Leosa is, you have to requalify every year. Well, if all of a sudden you miss, you know, you miss that qualification, I, I'd, I'd rather not be outside of the law if, you know, you know, like we talked about Murphy before, you know, something bad's going to happen. It's going to happen at the, you know, most unopportune and worst time. Uh, it would, it would happen right when, you know, two days after your Leosa expired and you're due to, you know, to go uh, get re-qualified the next Monday or something like that.
0: Or, or we have a pandemic and nobody's doing qualifications for a while, and you're not going to be able to get in for a couple of months and you know you're in the middle of of a pandemic and the, and you go along saying this is the time when I do need it more than any other time so there are uh recent history things that show um having some r- redundancy and taking uh taking some responsibility to make sure that uh, you won't be uh, identified as the wrong wrong type of person in a conflict is uh, definitely beneficial
1: yeah and it's 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 just one of those things that we just you know we we want to give um uh you know just another uh another chance of surviving a critical incident if uh if you're you know unlucky enough to uh to end up in that incident um we just want to give the uh the citizen that ability also um
0: mm-hmm. yeah similar to you know the police you know they're trying to do their do the best job possible too and an armed citizen is obviously trying to do do their their best in helping out and uh, that that could be a game changer for it to make them themselves self safe uh when dealing with security when dealing with police uh dealing with all different um people that might come along armed you know besides besides the uh the criminal there
1: sorry
0: about that no um what are all the uh, i know we talked about the know you've got it for police and security there's uh what are all the different uh badges or the uh, wording that you can get on it because I see on your website you got police you got sheriff um you've got a couple different colors that are available to it um can you get scrap a little bit about those?
1: Sure. Um, In a law enforcement arena, we have uh, police. We have a couple of different uh, colors in the police, the orange, the yellow. We have blue letters. Blue letters are reflective, but they don't do as well of a job as the gray letters as far as uh, reflectivity. Uh, So where the gray letters will reflect uh, ambient light, the blue letters, while they're a better contrast during the daytime, they don't reflect uh, ambient light. They do reflect direct light. Um, so if someone hits you with a flashlight, it'll reflect back. Um, and that's, you know, if you're dealing with, uh, um, a team that wants to be more stealthy, uh, during the evening hours, uh, if they deploy this thing, um, uh, you know, the edges will still, cause the edges are gray. You'll still get the, uh, the ambient light reflect, uh, reflection off the edges, but the letters will not reflect back. Um, most of the, uh, law enforcement teams that work into the evening hours, uh, pick the gray letters. Uh, a lot of agencies that, like um, the court bailiffs that basically only work in a, in a daytime environment, um, they tend to, to select the, uh, the blue letters. And we have the sheriff ones for the sheriff's departments. Um, we, um, we just recently added a constable one um just because the states of pennsylvania and the states of texas have a large amount of constables i want to say i think pennsylvania someone told me there was like 15 or 1800 constables in the state and so um uh, by demand and and it's one of those things that you know someone comes up to us and asks us say hey can you make you know this constable or, or can you uh you know the sling sleeves that we develop that's a uh, um, I don't know if you saw those when we were at the, the Guardian conference. We built something that goes over a rifle sling or go bag sling um, because we had a um, NYPD officer who was with JTTF at the time uh, called us and said, hey, we love the banner. But sometimes we get out of the car in plain clothes with rifles. And by the time we throw our go bag on and a rifle sling on, the banner gets buried. Can you build us something that goes over a rifle sling? And so, um, so yeah, so we came up with uh, DSM uh, safety sling sleeves. um, mm-hmm. and they will uh, fit basically. I always say ninety nine point nine percent of all rifle slings, just because they they taco around your exi- uh, existing sling or go bag. But you know, if someone has a you know a sling for an M sixty with the the big white pad on it. It may <laughs> yeah, it may Might not
0: need a custom order for that one.
1: Right, exactly. But uh, generally, it it. Uh, uh, it goes right over the go bags. And, uh, we've had several agencies. I want to say, uh, um, one of the, one of the eight uh, larger agencies in, uh, in Tennessee basically ordered a bunch of them because whenever they go to a critical incident, they all on their go bags. And, uh, and this is in uniform and they're saying, Hey, you know what, if you're down a, a dark aisle in Walmart during an active shooter type of uh, event, um, this thing's going to catch the light and catch your attention where, uh, a dark uniform with a shoulder, you know, just a shoulder patch may not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a lot of different scenarios to where you could see lighting or in the chaos of the moment, different things along those lines, having something that really pops out. And, you know, one of the things that pops in my mind is I can remember, um, 20 years ago, construction workers, Didn't really, you know, they, some of them wore orange vest here and and orange vest there. And now almost uh, universally have gone to having the, uh, you know, lime yellow type of safety vest, safety shirts, hats, trousers, you know, the whole nine yards. It seems some guys walking around truck stops, they look like, you know, little um, uh, Michelin men with uh, uh, fluorescence on. But at the same time, if you're a tow truck driver or somebody who's out there uh, at night. Having that yellow on, being able to be identified is uh, well worth being called the yellow Michelin man.
1: Yeah, and the majority of departments, too, have now, um, I know my old department basically mandated, if you're out on a traffic stop or uh, doing an accident uh, scene investigation, that you're required to wear a safety vest. Uh, And so another kind of um, ancillary use of, of the DSM safety banner is, Hey, you, uh, you know, you get broken, uh, you know, broken down the side of road or you're helping somebody on the side of road. You know, it might be a good idea to throw it on because it doesn't meet ANSI standards as far as square inches of, uh, of the bright, uh, bright yellow color for a road vest. But it's better than not having it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is actually there's uh, which reminded me of another case where uh, an agent from uh State Department called me and said, "Yeah, he goes. We used them. We were coming out of the UN building, and traffic was was uh, um, was backed up, and we needed to stop traffic so we can get out a little convoy out of there. And and it was raining and glum. And I want to say it was like late November, early December. And he goes, we threw the banners on so that the traffic would see us. And he goes, they work great. Um, so it was one of those things that there is other uses versus just having." Um, uh, you know, an, a critical incident happened where they could become uh, useful outside of of that. And it's, it's just a matter of, you know, thinking of different scenarios. Uh, um, I was at a, a faith-based security network conference. Uh, and one of the guys was, he was getting altitude sickness, but we thought he was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're up in, uh, uh, up in Colorado and and he just wasn't used to, you know, coming from sea level. So we made a nine one one call and as the, uh, you know, fire department was coming into the lot, I just threw the banner on just so they can see me further, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and they had no idea what it was at the time, you know, cause we were, it was, we were a pretty new company at the time, but it attracted their attention. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so uh, there are, you know, other, uh, other uses, uh, for the banner. And then on the, on the, um, non-law enforcement side, we have, um, well, there's a ton of them. There's um, two different color medical ones, and uh, we ID basically a tac medic by a yellow one and a, a red one by an unarmed tac medic. And people say, well, why do you differentiate? And we say, well, because um, you know, tac medic running with a, let's say just a church security team, and and you're you're clearing a building, and you need somebody to uh, you know, hey, cover that door while I come around this corner. Um, if you turn and you're, you're the only guy with you is wearing a red banner, a, you know, red medical banner, then he doesn't have the tools to cover that door. Um, so it immediately identifies whether those people are armed or unarmed. And that's the only banner that we have like that is the medic, uh, just because there are attack medics that are armed um, and and there are medics that are not armed. Um, then we have uh, Guardian, which has uh, become a huge seller in, in the different uh, schools. Because of the guardian program, we have one that says marshal, because there was a school marshal program. Also, Um, certain states regulate the word security, Um, and so if you're not a card-carrying security guard, uh, but you're on a security team or a safety team uh, for church. Um, you may be outside of the law by wearing a security one because you're not a licensed security guard. So we came up with the word safety Mm -hmm. because safety isn't regulated. Um, And so a lot of teams basically even due to insurance uh, requirements, uh, instead of having a security team because the security team isn't licensed, um, they have a safety team.
0: Yep. Well, that's definitely cool. You've, uh, you definitely got a unique product there's nobody else that has a product out there that's like that and on top of it it definitely uh serves uh, a very good spot within uh armed citizens because put it this way we, we train for low light we train for um non-traditional positions we we train for one hand two-handed shooting um you know all these different kind of uh, shooting Possibilities, but one of the biggest uh, overlooked areas, in my opinion, is when you go along and think about, okay, what am I going to do after you know the the gunfire, and I'm waiting for the police to arrive you know and that's where you know we've said before you know you got first aid you know learn first aid so you can uh, uh, you know attend to anybody who's been injured but at the same time you've got to make sure you you don't come across as the guy with the gun as being a potential target for uh armed citizens that are responding or uh you know uh a law enforcement that's responding and i think your your product really does uh fill that, fill that spot there of giving everybody a way of identifying each other during one of these, uh, you know, crazy incidents. That's for sure.
1: Right. Incident is, 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 you're right on the money, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, I just holstered my gun It's like, well, uh, uh-huh. it's a broad brush statement. Um, you know, if you got a central nervous system hit and the guy's down and there's you know gray matter above his head and stuff like that and he is not moving, yeah, you can probably you can probably do that. But if you don't and it's just you know the you know the other way to basically uh, um, uh, you know run out of steam is a catastrophic uh, catastrophic hydraulic failure is basically the you know blood leaving your system. Uh, well, you don't immediately die. And so you uh you go down to the ground and you're you could just be, you know, winged by or you could have just winged the guy. Uh so he goes down to the ground and and is flopping like a fish and 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 uh and screaming, but there's a gun down there amongst him. It might might not be in his hand. I mean, obviously if he's still a threat, continue to engage until he's no longer a threat. But if uh if there's just a gun down there amongst them, I, I don't see the majority of people putting their gun away and and uh um you know putting that in a force on force situation uh i i you know i would i would have a pretty big bet that most people won't put their gun away
0: well i would i would go along and ask this question too if somebody's putting their gun away are you going to have it put away before anybody sees you because if somebody see your hand on the gun they're going to assume that you're drawing they're not going to go along and necessarily say oh wow look at that he just put his gun away because your hands on the gun and what do we all expect you know when there's a hand on the gun for it to be drawn and those are uh you know situations uh that you really got to think about you know the ooda loop you know when you go along and you're observing somebody and you know they've got their hand on the gun i mean you don't ask the next question okay were well, they pushing it in or are they pulling it out you just you see gun and then it goes into okay what am i going to do well Hand-on-gun means threat, so I'm going to go along and engage them. And that's where your um, banner, I think, definitely could uh, help out. And as you said, it it causes people to pause for a second to say, Okay, why would a guy be having a nice reflective banner on that says, Oh, look at that. It says, you know, safety, security, Marshall, uh, armed citizen, those types of things. And, uh, you know, gives gives that little pause, you know, just a half a second to make sure there's not a, you know, a terrible accident that happens.
1: Absolutely. It's, uh, it's just, like I said, it's a micro speed bump in the Google just mm-hmm. enough to have the responding officer pause. Um, uh, so that he doesn't, you know, no one wins in a blue on blue, um, uh, or a friendly fire incident, you know, uh, and also doesn't wake up and, and, and say, you know, I, I think I'll kill and, uh, you know, uh, a good Samaritan today. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's not who they are. I mean, they put the uniform on, you know, 99.9% of them put the uniform on to, to help people, to help their community. Um, exactly. so it's it's one of those things that uh, uh, and then there's a whole other thing. If it's a blue on blue, you know, whether it's interagency or or uh, uh, intra agency. um, Now you have people taking sides. You have agencies that won't cooperate with each other or or, uh, um, you know, so so it it, uh, it doesn't just stop with the. With the blue on blue shooting it causes psychological uh you know issues uh you know along with uh if you just wound the officer and then of course um being an administrator um you know now now with the the bean counter is going to get involved in this too because people are going to be writing some pretty big checks um so as far as agency wise um in the last few blue on blues so i kind of keep track. Of, uh, uh, of the legal uh, litigation portions of it. Um, I want to say uh, the biggest one that I've heard so far was Albuquerque PD or City Albuquerque paying one of their officers six, uh, six plus million dollars for a friendly fire incident. Um, before that, the next largest one was uh, Minneapolis which paid, I think it was 4.25 million for an officer injured um, in a blue on blue. Um, So it's one of those things like, um, you know, largest agency, NYPD, is is where I kind of grew up uh, in the city. Um, First place I went to 35,000 officers said, hey, statistically, you are more likely to get on blue on blue uh, than any other agency, of course. Generally, they, they, within their agency, they have more blow-on-blue Blue than any other agency uh, in the U.S. Um, one of their incidents that they had was where two officers were uh, misidentified and, and engaged. One was killed, one was injured. And these are, you know, horrible, horrible events. Um but now in the in the aftermath not only are you know wives lives and husbands and and children lives and fathers and and, and parents lives and you know uh, sons and daughters um, now the uh, you know when they when they do pay out uh, to either the injured officer or or the um, or to the uh, the survivors of the of the killed officer um, you know, that's coming out of everybody's pocket. It's coming. You know, where where does the money come from? It comes from taxes, uh, mm-hmm. and so it's basically everybody's paying for that. And uh, you know, it's something that such a tragic incident that could be avoided for, you know, a tenth of the cost. Not even, uh, you know, I mean, we can outfit all of uh, NYPD for probably, I don't know, somewhere under a million dollars. I would bet. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you know, in that one instance. I, I, I haven't seen, you know, money, the the money uh, figures yet, but I would, you know, my guess would be somewhere between nine and $10 million.
0: Yep. Definitely. I can uh, definitely see a use for that. Oh, just as, as, just as a risk management issue, you know, as, as
1: basically looking at it from a uh, risk manager, from a city or, or from an administrator within an agency The um, there's I I don't know if you ever heard of Gordon Graham, uh, is turning out of uh um out of California teaches uh uh risk management risk mitigate mitigations to everything from police departments to the fortune 500 companies and the guy has a great saying uh that I love to quote and um uh, I've gone to two of Gordon Graham's classes and he says if it's predictable it's preventable and it's it's any any You know, any tragedy that you look at, it's not one mistake; it's a series of uncorrected uh, mistakes, or a series of mistakes that go uncorrected. And from the Titanic to the, you know, to the Twin Towers, basically, you can look at any tragedy, and there's not one mistake; there's a Mm -hmm. series that
0: occur. Yep, exactly, Mike. Wait, Mike, we've been asking all, all our guests this year to recommend an annual, uh, instructor event or event that you think instructors should go check out and you had a couple of really good ones we talked about before we started the recording. What are those?
1: Um, you know, for the law enforcement uh, guys, uh, the alert conference is, uh, is a great conference to go to. It's, uh, there's a lot of good information, uh, that are taken away from that, um, for the uh church security group guys uh there's the uh faith-based security network uh they have an annual um conference and it, it kind of rolls around I think it's in Nashville next year um but the uh, event that I'm actually going to go to as a student next year was where we met was uh the Guardian conference I'm going to head back to that next year because uh um, I looked at a lot of the classes and uh if I can get away uh you know from the booth I, I would go and poke my head in and listen a little bit but uh, i would really like to go back to that as a student
0: it, it's it's a fun it's a fun time i i've had fun the last two years going there next year is already shaping up to uh, be a really good good uh session also so that's uh that'd be great love to see you again there
1: yeah it'd be great yeah look forward to seeing you and then then if you're old you know white beard with a with a you know that started off with a wheel gun
0: there's mm-hmm.
1: the uh, revolver roundup that's going on in and uh, uh, gun site in November.
0: Yep. And uh, Daryl Balky and uh, company are going to be putting that on um, out there. And uh, there are some very good uh, wheel gun shooters, to say the least. So, yep. very good. Well, Mike, where can people find out more about DSM and uh, the products that you're selling?
1: Um, we, uh, we're we a web-based company, uh, DSM safety.com. So, DSM, like David, Sam, Mary safety.com. Uh, and you can, uh, you can reach us there. You can call me at 775-250-5523. That's 775-250-5523. And then from our armed citizen, uh, crowd, um, we're at armed citizen Uh, so that's armed citizen ID.com. And the same telephone number.
0: Okay, and as always, I will include those in the show notes for those people that are driving and don't want to risk an accident. They can always look up when they get get to a good place and uh, get a hold of you. So, Mike, appreciate your time. Uh, great product you've got there, and look forward to seeing you at future conferences.
1: Rob, yeah, it's really been a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, great meeting you, and
0: uh, look forward to training with you. Thanks a lot. That's a wrap for this episode. I hope you found some good information that can help you out in your classes. Do you have a topic you'd like me to talk about or know somebody that I should talk to? Email me your ideas at ftp at concealedcarry.com. You can also leave us comments on our Facebook page or on our website at farmtrainerpodcast.com. Remember, at our website, you can also listen to previous episodes of our podcast and leave comments. I also ask you to leave us a review on Google Play or iTunes, wherever you listen to us at. These ratings help us get more people to understand the value that you get from our content. Visit our sponsors, especially the Fire Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. We bring this podcast to support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America like you that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone.